0: plushcare.com weight loss This episode of the Cult Popsha podcast was brought to you by our Patreon If you want to tell us which films we should watch get up to two extra exclusive podcasts a month, give us something to talk about in the post credits scene at the end of each episode or join us for our monthly movie club zoom call where we discuss a film together, then please consider joining the cult and donating at dubdubdubpatreoncom slash
1: everybody, and welcome along hey, to the Cult hey Popsha Podcast. Hello. Starting it like an
0: apology video? Hi. Hey guys, um, I just want to just talk about something. My truth. I'm not, I'm not even wearing makeup, um, <laughs> just to show you guys how serious I am.
1: Um, speaking of apologies, today we're going to be doing something. Well, tomorrow making... we're
0: going to be making one. <laughs> yeah, that's a little <laughs> way
1: of making the joke, thank you. Uh, I am AJ, talking with Richard, of course. This is our show, and um, today on the
0: podcast... <laughs> this is our show. <laughs> what is i don't know, it's, we've never introduced an episode like that <laughs> well
1: uh it's a day for it's a day for first because today we're going to do um we're going to discuss a topic which we've just discovered six weeks ago i vetoed um uh, mm. when you suggested it and then yesterday i having forgot I, that you'd suggested it and I vetoed it, I suggested it to you. Mm. Um, and so that's what we're talking about today. Today we're talking about problematic faves, more specifically Ooh. justifying our problematic, that'll be the, the name of the episode, justifying our problematic faves. And it wasn't until we already put the call out onto Discord for people to you know, suggest their own thoughts on the subject that I was sitting on my couch and all of a sudden I went, Huh? Is this going to be a, a a bad taste idea to do? Yeah. Uh which was also the reason six weeks ago that I vetoed it. So mm-hmm. you never know with me. I'm just a wacky. I'm just a wacky cat. Do you know what happened last night? Speaking of of problematic. <laughs> um, my flatmate was like, "I'm gonna go get a curry," um, and I I don't know if I want to go to Bombay Butler or Curry Junction. And I said to her, "I was like, Curry Junction sounds like." a derogatory name for like an Indian, like a part of town with a big Indian population, you know, like you could hear boomers calling this place, oh, bloody Curry Junction. And she said to me, you've said that to me before. And I was like, I have no memory of saying wow. this to yeah. you before. I, I just conceived the same joke twice, which does happen sometimes if I'm listening back to an old podcast episode and you set me up, I'll make the same joke in my head that I then make yeah, on the yeah, podcast. Yeah.
0: That's the reason I've said before I only listen to my own podcast <laughs> um, because you know I make those jokes in my head listening to other people's podcasts mm. and they're not said out loud, yeah. whereas on yeah. my podcast they are
1: so richard for those who don't understand what we mean by problematic fave do you want to give a like a quick improvised definition maybe of what
0: uh so a problematic fave is it's a character or a person who's done or said something offensive or otherwise problematic um your fave is problematic is is a phrase that usually accompanies a cited list of these offensive things the term is used exclusively in discussions about fandom, celebrities, and media. So mm. there is like a, yeah, your is problematic when you're like, oh my god, I love, you know, XYZ. And then someone goes, actually, your favor's problematic. And then I'm actually as you, that this person's a piece uh, of shit.
1: Right. So the one of the reasons I think, um, well, first of all, let's say before anything, um, while we won't be going into details um, a lot of the stuff we're going to discuss today is problematic because of the idea of like cancelled celebrities who were involved um, and so vague mentions around assault and things nasty shit like that might come up I don't anticipate we'll dissect okay. it much but the thing that... is
0: I think we're expecting most of the big cancellations the, yeah. the the Kevin Spacey's the Harvey Weinstein's we're expecting you to come into this knowing what they did we're not here to educate you why yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. but if that sort of thing uh, upsets you, please do feel free to skip this episode. Um, But... What what we're really exploring, we say problematic faves, but uh, but what we're really exploring and what two white dudes from New Zealand feel uh, entitled to be able to answer is the the question that has become increasingly I think, I, I would more say relevant. We
0: feel, we feel privileged to
1: answer. <laughs> <laughs> it's a question that's become increasingly more relevant in a post Me Too era, um and sort of just a, a general age of enlightenment, uh, is can you separate the art from the artist? Or perhaps to put it in a more cloying and desperate way is it okay to still enjoy art made by problematic people because you know um 20 years ago the answer was a resounding yes no one cares you could be a fan of an actor or a director's entire career and never find out that whoop they married a 14 year old girl you know that's that sort of Mm. thing um i say 20 20 years ago and before of course i think um there was was
0: one sweet spot the week after 9-11 they were like anything's game
1: (laughs) it literally is the week after 9-11 right now (laughs) that we're recording this um so you you know you know like i always remember like watching um i don't know like an eddie murphy movie and people being Mm. like oh you know he um he's done some dirty stuff and people like oh yeah but whatever Mel gibson's a great example of someone who seems to have been able to evade all of this even through past through the the me too movement and Mm. and stuff like that whereas now it's like Kevin Spacey's never going to work again. Well, I think he actually did. Yeah, he he has he has got a new film coming out. But but you know, like no, you know, I'm not going to see it. Are you going to see I'm not going to hire him, no. <laughs> um, and so I think I think and things like um the Michael Jackson documentary that came out a couple of years ago Neverland. and 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 things no, like that Leaving Neverland. Leaving Neverland <laughs> are, are, but like Johnny Depp also, is in yeah, Finding yeah, Neverland. Yeah. Um like a lot of, it, it's becoming harder and harder to navigate what you maybe consider um, aligned with your moral judgment to watch and enjoy so much so that I've seen a, a piece of discourse rise up through the the conversation, which is like, you need to learn how to enjoy this stuff still mm-hmm. while also criticizing it and being aware of what's wrong. Uh, yeah. And, and, so and I would
0: say like uh, uh, is this the kind of we can move on to the body now Uh,
1: just just of course we are two privileged ignorant dumb white guys who uh are fallible and so um we're not here to draw lines in the sand we're not here to say like if someone did this yes you can still we're not not
0: categorizing offenses and saying these ones are okay um, this is us sharing our personal experiences and also um, experiences some experiences yeah.
1: from from our listeners.
0: Because um, yeah. one of the one of the first sort of when we when we put out the call, one of the first sort of calls we um, the responses we got was uh, from Mike Noise, who said that uh, being Gen X, just about every movie I love from the 80s and 90s has at least one problematic thing in it, even if we didn't know it at the time. So I guess growing up with the films, I'm willing to forgive the parts that don't hold up well because I love the rest of it, like the f-word being dropped in bill and ted i presume he's talking about the f-slur not the, the, not the other f-word yeah. um, <laughs>
1: yeah, they say fucking and bill and ted yeah. and it just destroys me yeah bill and ted what otherwise just such an innocent what movie, I, so, so this it,
0: this is the thing because because i think this is a good discussion and, and kind of a good leaping off point as well that w- what you were kind of saying about um context and all that stuff because the, the thing you always hear is like um Uh, it was a different time, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, like there's, uh, you know, one one example that people, people often use, um, typically more right-wing people is there's a movie called the damn busters, which is, you know, this great war epic kind of thing. But the main character's dog uh, was a little black dog and it's just called the N word. And that's Mm. the dog's name. And it's based on a real guy. That was the dog's actual name. And everyone goes, well, you couldn't make the damn busters now. I think Peter Jackson was going to do a remake of it. And it's like, you know, cancel culture. You couldn't. You can't even like. That's historically accurate. That's what he called his dog. And it's like, mm. well, okay, a you don't have to use the dog's name in the film. And b like he was wrong to do that at the time. The whole thing of of you know the n word used to be acceptable. It's like it wasn't. It's just you didn't care who it affected because yeah, that yeah, was so marginalized. But like, I think like historical context does go a certain way. And what uh, Mike's talking about with um, you know, more problematic language or like the classic thing of like um 80s 80s hijinks and teen movies are often you know various forms of sexual assault and i think it's like you depending on the film as well like and it varies because some films it's like well this film was always bad we just can stop revisiting it who cares but some it's like like bill and ted especially if it you know means so much to you and they use this word in it that i think you know, you, like you don't necessarily need to stop watching the film, but I think it's like if you especially like, you know, if you grew up with it, you know all the context and you can reconcile with that yourself. But I think say, you know, you have kids and you wanna show them Bill and Ted, you wanna show them the hangover, whatever. I think you, you know, it, it's important to, to to teach that context. And I think that, you know, just by saying like no one's ever allowed to watch this movie again because it has that word in it, I think, you know, you, you're loo- you're losing the opportunity to use these as like learning experiences for people because you know the whole thing of like if you don't learn from history you're doomed to repeat it Mm -hmm. and i think that that is important still
1: yeah and look, this is—we th- didn't mention this yet—but this is um, one of our favorite subjects here at Cold Show. I mean, how many yeah. podcasts have we done? How many franchises have we covered where we've ended up having these very tiptoey, walking on eggshells conversations? Which—and I'm not complaining. I'm saying, like, we're, I'm just wanting to like my my. The last thing I want to do is actually upset someone, I guess. Hmm. And like, even in like our probably our last two. Well, not last two, but two of our major video essays from the last year or so um, have been about American Pie and Borat and things, and and so like this is a subject that very much fascinates me, and we've never really dedicated a whole podcast to it.
0: Mm. Well, yeah, do, do do you have any? Because it's one of these things. This, this is especially like this whole podcast is one of all those topics where it's like I want to give out my opinion, and this is this is one of very few times where you have the opportunity to tell me that I'm incorrect. Um, and I will be willing to accept that, you know, like me, yeah. the, the, the judge and jury and
1: executioner of, of what is problematic and not, and nothing white dude. Um, well, no, no, it's
0: just like, like, I, I don't know, like if, if I deserve to be challenged on something, I want to be challenged on it. Yeah. Same. And, yeah. Um, yeah, which, you know, maybe it shouldn't just be us.
1: <laughs> maybe this is a poorly conceived idea yeah. and we should have planned this ahead of time Yeah, maybe we should have the, the other idea for, for our <laughs> off week this week. not not this harrowing discussion l- like, sh- of l- what just, is offensive should we just,
0: just pivot to that still call the episode <laughs> um, or, or call it um more relating to what we do instead mm. um, but it just starts with like 11 minutes of just this
1: yeah i think that's <laughs> i think let's keep going with this idea because we've we've prepared something mm. And then if it if it gets to the point where we're both sweating fucking bullets trying to explain that like, well of course I'm not justifying that they, they, they yeah. use that word. Um so the one thing I think as well to 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 define here is like problematic faves and problematic media um is not always media which is tarnished because Kevin Spacey was an executive producer on it mm. um sometimes it's just the um subject matter involved is problematic sometimes it's uh, media that has been tarnished by a fan base, which is something I think is is a very new um new kind of thing that's that's been elevated to the level of problem. Uh you know, like they've always been toxic Star Wars fans and stuff, but I feel yeah, like Yeah,
0: they're always fucking will be as well.
1: <laughs> but I feel like um the like pickle Rick from Rick and Morty really like made a lot of people ashamed to say they still watch Rick and Morty. And part of the reason we wanted to do this episode now is because the Rick and Morty season five finale just aired mm. and uh Brooklyn 99, another show we'll probably talk about on this episode, um, finished up as well but yeah you've got you know i'm i'm a fan of rick and i've watched rick and morty i think fight club is one of the best movies ever mm. made you know like i am- I think pickle rick's
0: <laughs> funniest shit i've ever seen
1: <laughs> like i am i i have what people would call red flag opinions yeah. um if you if you don't learn more about them and so
0: you also have talked- plenty of white flag opinions Oh, thank you. Ones that you just immediately surrender.
1: All oh, right. Um well I feel like that should go hand in hand with red flag opinions probably. Um and like I uh, one one that's that has affected me um probably more so than you and and I feel like um maybe isn't a universal feeling is uh when I was a teenager um I was really really into the movie 500 days of summer and i i probably haven't revisited it recently enough to say whether or not that's still true when i think about it i still really like that movie uh, but as i got older people criticized it a lot and well if you haven't seen 500 days of summer it's about a guy dealing with a breakup he's played by joseph gordon levitt Summer, the girl is played by zoe deschanel and i thought it was such a a wonderful perspective to show the world of like what it's like to be heartbroken as a boy. Cause you don't see that enough. Um, mm-hmm. And I loved it as a teenager, but like then as I got older and, and all these sorts of schools of thought started coming out, people would be like, it's fight club for soft boys, <laughs> you know? And I was like, what are people talking about? Um, mainly because it kind of solely depicts the male side of the story or does it this is the question because mm. joseph gordon levitt who is the star of the film um he actually did an interview in 2012 which was um a, a considerably before like this kind of the way the what he's like about, before about.
0: women and minorities
1: people. <laughs> no before before people were aware of of these problems i think in the mainstream sense but um uh, and so it's, it's interesting to read what he says. He says, um, the the 500 days of summer attitude of he wants you so bad seems attractive to some women and men, especially younger ones. But I would encourage anyone who has a crush on my character to watch it again and examine how selfish he is. He develops a mildly delusional obsession over a girl onto whom he projects all these fantasies. He thinks she'll give his life meaning because he doesn't care about much else going on in his life. A lot of boys and girls think their lives will have meaning if they find a partner who wants nothing else in life but them that's not healthy that's falling in love with the idea of a person not the actual person which i think is a very astute idea that doesn't discount the themes of the movie i think that's
0: in the text though yeah that's that's what i mean like uh, yeah it's uh, that's a yeah i I guess yeah you're talking about the fan base thing that's a that's a missing the point thing rather than Mm. the movie being problematic yeah Mm.
1: Which is true of Fight Club? Where, like, if you idolise Tyler Durden, uh, you've sympathised with the expression, the the villain of the movie, you know. Uh, and Joker and,
0: obviously is another example
1: but Joker is interesting isn't it because I don't think the director gets it <laughs> <laughs> I think the director sides with Tyler Durden I think the director is like the movie st- maybe stands on its own as its own thing maybe you can't separate the art from the artist Richard um but I don't know if Todd Phillips director of Joker um or even like Dan Harmon or Justin Roiland from Rick and Morty fully understand the like <laughs> the levels that they um the, the the kind of uh balancing act that well it's
0: through. interesting you bring up dan Harmon as well because he's he's one of very few people i think that actually managed to like skirt a cancellation mm-hmm. by just doing a really good apology mm-hmm. like dan, dan Harmon's you know not 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 cancelled by any means really um i no. mean obviously you know when allegations come out there's always going to be at least some people that you know we'll, we'll, and that's we'll absolutely valid that. exactly yeah. you know <laughs>
1: I can totally understand if someone um wrote off Dan Harmon after uh what did, it was like. He he used his... he, he
0: essentially had, he had a crush on um someone he worked with and well someone who worked for him. For, well, yes, 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 someone who worked for him, and um, so he, like you know he he would yeah it was that kind of thing of like he thought it was this reciprocated thing without realizing. Well, this is what he says in his in his apology. This reciprocated thing, not realizing that. He controls her paycheck. He controls how well she does mm. in the industry from here on out. And um, and I think a big part of also the, the skirting cancellation is that the the woman it's about um, Megan Gans uh, accepted his apology essentially.
1: Mm. Yeah, she told everyone to go watch his apology on twitter and stuff
0: yeah
1: um which is yeah and that's really interesting and i do think i hate i hate to be the the mouthpiece for this side of the argument because i think it gets very much uh, abused by the the bad guys but like at what point do you just do you just have to forgive people and like especially when it's like pseudo what is it called um like when you think you have a relationship pseudo (laughs) pseudo wudo that's what yeah thank you the pokemon um you know, like when you think you know someone because they're famous, but they have no idea who you oh, are. Oh, parasocial, parasocial. Like, especially with something like that. Like, I, you know, Dan Harmon doesn't need me to forgive him. He doesn't know. Well, who yeah, I am. and that's the thing.
0: And also, like at the same time, Megan Gans doesn't need me to still be angry at Dan Harmon for her. Yeah, like it's one of these things. They've they've publicly, you know, aired, mm. aired their whatever, um, and so i mean yeah it's, i mean it's up to you which way you want to mm. fall on it but mm. it, it's their life <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah and i guess it, there is a case of um do you feel like there there is a line in and the t- like like i've been thinking a lot about how like ewan mcgregor cheated on his wife with mary Mm. elizabeth winstead and how like that's absolutely not enough for me to (laughs) cancel him in my mind like an actor cheating on their wife i don't
0: care that's not that bad yeah i mean like trump cheated on his wife and you still voted for him i did
1: not what are you doing (laughs) of all the episodes to not make jokes about that sort of thing on this well at least
0: like like that joke is impossible you don't have american citizenship
1: that's and you true. were too
0: young in 2016 as well. You're a little baby, AJ. Thank um,
1: you. Yeah, it is... Um... For those frantically doing the math right now, I was not too young in 2016. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> oh, so, right. so you admit it! So you <laughs> admit it! <laughs> 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 Richard cancels AJ, the movie. <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, yeah, the, yeah. it's interesting, the, the thing of cheating. Yeah. Hmm
1: like i guess i i mean there is a there is a there is a i think the line is like is it manipulative or is it illegal is almost where the the um because it's not like mm. anyone can cheat on their wife but and and, and nothing they, will and happen they frequently to do <laughs> yeah whereas like things like kevin spacey or louis ck are like these are illegal things that happen and they get away with it because they're famous yeah and men as well because it's not like non-famous men don't get away with this shit all the time either. Uh,
0: yeah it's interesting. and and you mentioning louis ck I, I want it because do you remember i mean i guess this is going to be more of a free flowing episode than we kind of thought but um uh after louis ck because it, it is like there's like the 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 trifecta of like the three big cancellations of the meat or the, you mm. know, the things of the of the me too movement that was harvey weinstein louis ck and kevin spacey mm-hmm. and that actually like those were the three that the new york times broke the story so there is yeah, like yeah. a reason why you've heard those ones more and because yeah. you know they came out within a f- few weeks of each other and it was like fuck like every man in hollywood is going to get mm. this kind of thing and then there was you know bit, bits here and there and 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 some of it was conjecture and 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 all this kind of stuff but those like three reputable sources and and whatnot so that they, they, they kind of became the poster boys for it but after louise k's one came out sarah silverman who host who had a show called I, Lo- uh, I love you america which was like a like a chat show she did this monologue at the start where it was like can you love people who do bad things and it's a really it's a really interesting thing because it's essentially saying like hey what's happening in Hollywood right now is long overdue and it's a good thing. But you know, I love Louis CK. Like he's been one of my best friends for 25 years. And Mm. so do I, I hate what he did, but I still love him because you know, I always, I always have essentially. And it's like, and so she's kind of like just saying, airing on, on live TV saying like, I'm processing this. I'll keep you updated. But I, I, You know, yeah, because because you would feel the sense of betrayal, and it's like, you know, you think about arguments you have, or like, you know, when your your friend or your partner or your family member like really hurts you, Mm. it's like you're not just immediately like, obviously, it's on a different scale, but you're not immediately like, well, I hate this person, I'm never talking to them again. You do have that kind of that weird sense, and it must be a difficult thing to you know, for something like Sarah Silverman to go through, and then also to have to kind of publicly go through that because. You know, it wouldn't be out of the question for her to, you know, go visit Louis C.K. See how he's doing, kind of thing. And then you don't want to be snapped by the paparazzi being like, Sarah Silverman scene with Louis C.K. So you kind mm. of have to actually announce that stuff. Yeah. But yeah, I would, I would recommend because, yeah, it it, it it kind of scratches the surface, really. But it's you're talking about that idea of what we're saying. Can you love problematic people or their art, yeah. um, and not like the person?
1: Yeah. And I think it does depend, I've found anyway, it's very conditional on what the art is itself. Um, and I think mm. we did get a, a message on the Discord about this. Um, but one thing I don't think I can revisit more so than I can't revisit other things this person has been in um, is American Beauty, the, the Kevin Spacey mm. starring 1999 Best Picture winner. Um, used to be one of my favourite movies. Yeah, Do
0: you want me to read out the comment? Yeah, yeah. Uh, so this is from Bliss My Dog, who actually just, just joined the Discord and then immediately this is their first message. That's good. <laughs> Hi, just joined. I'm going to argue that American Beauty is still an amazing, if exceptionally brilliant film. It's decisive and it's rather corny attitudes towards beauty. I think there was a line that that film nimbly treaded upon release although oh, i think there was a line that film nimbly treaded upon release on, re, on release that has retrospectively been crossed for example ricky the boyfriend has an increasingly stalkerous nature to him that i guess would have been seen as charming in 1999 but nowadays comes off as nothing short of what the fuck the film somewhat addresses this uh i've seen it said that it has a distinct naivete naivete uh towards suburban culture pre 9 11 and while i can attest to that the film can be re-examined as a period piece in that regard That said, the stuff with Kevin Spacey is horrifically similar to what we know about him now. However, the conviction that his character has to not cross the line exemplifies the beauty, I'd argue, in retrospect. If there's beauty in anything, it's seeing the ego of a shitty, bitter old man be torn apart by the realisation that he based his entire life around the idea that Angela, his daughter's friend that he lost it for, is a true innocent. It's an amplification of human nature that's so raw and powerful, yet couldn't be told in today's culture. That said, the plastic bag thing is just corny and doesn't really work as powerful <laughs> as it once did. They do, there was a discussion that followed on from that, essentially saying, um, someone, I think it might have been Bliss My Dog, that said they had a um, a film professor like, explain that scene, and, and they, they compared it to the um, anyone can cook from Ratatouille that it's like anything can be beautiful, and it's kind of an examination of that.
1: Mm. So I think all of that is is a really exceptional analysis, and I mean, we did say that we're justifying our problematic faves here, which I did do with the 500 Days of Summer thing. So it's not like it's just we we ask the Discord to like, can you go out to bat for these dangerous things mm. to go out to bat for, and then we come on and be like, no. Um, what I will say is that that perspective, um, is is very profound and very much works, and maybe it had worked in 1999, but like I can tell you right now, if something like that was made now, the criticism would be like oh great we need the perspective of an old white man Mm. on on um young woman you know and like i know that is in the text as well but it's like it's that thing where it's like who are you who is your protagonist are you making your protagonist the the less important perspective to to understand Yeah. yeah um so yeah, that 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 is something. Um, I I don't I don't think with respect to to Bliss, my dog, I don't think I'll watch American Beauty again ever in the rest of my life. Like it's it's too close to what actually happened. Mm. It's too close to to bone, and and I don't think that's. I just don't think that 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 I can look past that anymore. We're, I yeah. can still watch a Bug's Life, even though that's got well, Kevin Spacey and, and directed John Lassiter. by John Lasseter. Um, John Lester, Lass- I mean, John Lester. I did
0: mention um, Pixar as well. Um, yeah,
1: I mean, Pixar is still dearly important to me. Yeah. And, and you know, they, they had like an internal investigation happened like yeah. <laughs> that's how bad things got there and it's and it's like it's like you talk about people talk about separating the art from the artist when it's shit you don't care about um and and it's like yeah well whatever i don't care like i'm you know never grew up with the bill cosby show, i was never
0: so. gonna watch i love you daddy the louis ck film
1: yeah and so it's like it's like i can i can throw away the bill cosby show mm. um but then when it's like pixar i'm like oh <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. i've got i've got to rationalize this now so yeah i think i think another example actually is um and more recently is the um turf turfification of jk rowling
0: Th- this is this is a big one it very not many people uh, only one person kind of briefly mentioned it in response to a meme i shared <laughs> um cheese said harry potter is definitely a problematic face of mine um i presume that was supposed to be fave but uh you called didn't, out on Pod. For didn't not get it in time, dickhead. <laughs> um, yeah, Harry Potter's is an interesting one, um, and I spoke to Jess about this um, off Pod that because I know that that you know um, Harry Potter is a big thing for her, and she was kind of saying that the the thing she loves about Harry Potter is the um, the community aspect of of like that it became this thing that you would read and chat to your friends about and exchange theories Mm -hmm. and and it you know it's this it's this monolith that's it's a bit like project mayhem and um in fight club that it's Mm -hmm. like it's grown larger than the person who created it and you know kind of said that like and this is interesting as well is that like jk rowling actually did quite a lot of good stuff like you know like publicly openly donated to a lot of charities and stuff but she seemingly just has this one really shitty opinion and so it's like yeah you you look like you're about to cancel me no no i'm (laughs)
1: laughing because you're right she does she has one shitty opinion it's just a really hot topic okay yeah it looked
0: like you were like dude (laughs) no no not at all Um, and i think that that, that's it and i think that's why harry potter hasn't undergone this like big cancellation um necessarily that's that,
1: a very positive hmm. optimistic look on it i would look at it more as um harry potter has an unbreakable grasp on millennial on the millennial generation
0: yeah i mean that's true but it's like <laughs> I, I i think that you know like because i mean other I, I, zoomers are, are like you know um oh you do millennials always ask about your hogwarts house and shit like that <laughs> but it's like i think that as a whole there isn't a large like oh how can you still like harry potter you know mm. um there's a Ooh, how can you still support jk rowling especially like with new stuff that's created like mm. fantastic beasts 3 will be an interesting one because i think that that'll not only because jk Rowling's trash but the the second film was even worse than jk rowling <laughs> as a person <laughs> like i mean obviously obviously all the opinions she holds are detestable but Crimes of Grindelwald was the worst thing she's done, <laughs> but the, it's um yes, yeah, so and, and it's interesting. Like the Hogwarts Legacy game as well, that um this, this upcoming you know open world RPG set in the in the world of Harry Potter. But it's like it, it, it is funny to read, you know, especially if you'd read this like five years ago. To read um like Hogwarts Legacy, the developers being like J.K. Rowling does not is not active in the development of this. Um, that like separating yourself from the the auteur of your world
1: yeah yeah and, and, and that it's, being it's a just, selling point as well yeah it, it, it's, it, it's the it's person the who, kind of- who authored this world you love because of how well the story was told yeah. is not telling the story so you don't have to worry uh, yeah
0: like um it, it is fun that like um and, and another similar thing like this as well that i remember thinking was um when our opposition party in new zealand had a had a new leader Only lasted two months. But uh, one of the big scandals was that he refused to call the president of the United States a racist. (laughs) And it's like, imagine saying that in like, you know, 2000, like at the height of Obama's presidency, be like, yeah, yeah, no, there's like going to be a cancellation because someone, and it's like, I mean, you know, nothing needs to be said about Trump, but it's like the idea that a leader of a political party is like, the the one of the most powerful positions in the world that's like you know you you won't say that the man's detestable Mm. yeah but yeah the the thing about this this Hogwarts legacy game that it'll be interesting when it comes out because yeah there's like obviously some money's still gonna end up in JK Rowling's pocket but like I mean I want to play the game I know Jess wants to play the game and it's like I would you know the game be at like 100 bucks I would quite happily also donate 40 50 bucks to Rainbow Youth or something Mm. to balance it out and then be like yeah like i've you know
1: <laughs> i i mean I'll probably see fantastic beasts three just for the for the curiosity at uh, least i mean I guess it depends it depends how if if there's like i could very easily be guilted out of seeing. It, <laughs> i think yeah um so uh yeah like that that is a really interesting case, especially again where it's like that's she hasn't done anything illegal, she's just expressed bad opinions and and um and,
0: well, and, and what's that, weird like, yeah because because she's one of the ones as well that's like she said something shitty i mean i've hated jackarelli for a long time i've been on <laughs> record as like thinking she's garbage before any of this but the um like it was the fact that she like doubled down on it mm. and similar to louis ck actually like his one seemed like or, like when it happened there was a lot of like yeah because obviously louis ck was one of the ones that people were like oh not him you know mm that he was one that like a lot of people were saying like he could probably come out the other side of this mm. i'm poor p- i don't think he will anymore but no the 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 thing is like less than a year later he was back doing like sets and clubs talking about um a, a, like you know making jokes about it and it's like yeah i think because that, that, because his one seemed to be one of those ones that it's like you're you're misinformed about the dynamic consent. here and consent mm. you know because you, he says that you know everyone was consenting but didn't understand that thing of why they felt they couldn't say no you know mm. and yeah it's like yeah, you could have used that for education but it's like he was just like nah it should get back in the spotlight and yeah. now it's like well now you, you've proven that you didn't use this as a learning experience you've proven that you didn't learn anything from your experience so yeah yeah that, that's that's all that's not necessarily worse but it's like just as bad as, as like yeah
1: yeah, and on the flip side of that, an example of a of a creator, um, sort of pivoting and learning from their mistakes, um, but still a creator I do not like watching anymore, um, is uh, Matt Stone and Trey Parker, the creators of South Park, mm. um, who so a little bit of backstory for me is that South Park uh, was was. I first I saw the South Park movie when I was like twelve or thirteen, yep. and it blew me away. And and in my early teenage years, I became obsessed with South Park. I watched the whole series, and I kept watching the new seasons up until season twenty one, I think, uh, where they had an episode um, about the the uh, trans athlete debate, where they you know picked the side i disagree with and i basically thought to myself i don't think i am i don't think i can justify watching south park anymore mm. with like all i stand for and all i believe in i think i have to let go-
0: Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today.
1: South Park, and which you know wasn't a very difficult decision,
0: to be honest. Um, Someone on the Discord did mention South Park. The Almighty Watcher said, I'm not smart enough to articulate anything, but I love South Park. And watching from the start and hearing how casually they use the F-slur and R-word is pretty bothersome to me now, but they also grow as a show and eventually stop using the words. I found with South Park the joke is often on the person saying offensive things and less funny because unless being funny because it's defensive but there was also just just a bunch of uh racism ableism and homophobia played for laughs yeah. in the early seasons i i would say like south park again is one of those things that like the the common defense is like well they make fun of everyone you know mm.
1: w- which is something you can you can i could maybe sympathize with five years ago but the, the do you want to know it was a fucking meme that made me give up south park it was i, I saw it was like a tiktok that had been posted to twitter or something and it was like this woman um being like all these people saying that south park is is all good because uh it it makes fun of everyone all right well let's see who who creates south park and it's two white men and it's like cool yeah these are the people who should be proclaiming that it's okay to make fun of everyone like you know like rich privileged white dudes of course you know of course they would say that i've seen other people call it the the white man reactionary show that should have been cancelled 15 years ago Mm. and and we talked about this in the borat video essay we did that it's like it it, south park is very much something that has outlived its place in society i think
0: yeah because i was going to say that that like the the way south park operates that it's like this adult comedy that each episode's made within a week and immediately reacts to whatever happened there is definitely like a show like that should exist i think mm. Um, or or like there's there's certainly a place for that or there has been at some point but yeah i mean
1: made by by a perspective i'm very familiar with and no longer get value out of hearing um one thing i did want to bring up though with south park is a couple years ago they released a really interesting episode because in um 2006 or 7 they released an episode uh which essentially just um made fun of al gore for making an inconvenient truth and made a whole episode about how climate change wasn't actually real and the episode you've you've probably seen it as as al gore um Telling everyone there's something called a Man Bear Pig attacking people. Funniest shit I've ever <laughs> Which is this mythical monster that's a metaphor for climate change. And then in twenty eighteen, they released like a two or three parter episode where Man Bear Pig turned out to actually be real and started attacking everyone. And there's like this famous scene from it where there's this guy in a in a cafe and Man Bear Pig is like murdering everyone behind him, and he's just like, I just don't think there's enough evidence to to prove and um and Al Gore's character. Character was back in it and like a major recurring joke in it was that whenever Al Gore turned up in the scene all the characters had to be like I'm sorry you were right, I'm sorry. Mm. Which is not the first time South Park has essentially looked at itself and gone like, oh God, we created incels. <laughs> oh mm. God, we created the alt-right. What do we do
0: now? I created a monster. <laughs>
1: yeah, exactly. And I think, I think it, is, it is fascinating to watch a show grapple with something like that. Mm. Uh, but yeah, for me, I couldn't justify it anymore. And so I, I gave up on it.
0: Um, I do want to talk about uh, musicians, Mm -hmm. as well because because i music's almost like because the thing is you watch like a a kevin spacey movie or a movie produced by harvey weinstein or whatever and you can go like and and this was the thing that like when there were these projects that were completed and it's like well should these be released that they go well like so many people worked on them why Mm -hmm. should we you know throw it out because of one person and you know uh, yeah like it, it would it would suck to have your work thrown out like that but music is kind of different because it's a lot more singular it feels obviously there's you know producers record labels all that but you know you're listening to a song by Michael Jackson it's like this is just Michael Jackson you're consuming
1: interesting example to choose I feel like Michael Jackson's team like I'm very anti-Michael Jackson and frankly have never liked his music that much so I did you know that was one of the ones where I was like yeah I'll boycott Michael Jackson I don't yeah. care um but like I was talking to someone recently about this and they specifically said. Michael Jackson's a really difficult example to use because they, Michael Jackson essentially had, like, maybe not a movie production size right, behind yeah. him, but enough people behind him that it is so many other people's work. Mm-hmm. Whereas someone, a, a good example would be someone like R. Kelly, who was, you know, ostensibly operating yeah. on their own.
0: Well, the, actually, a, an example that I hadn't heard of, um, but it's a good one that uh, Dan on Discord mentioned is a man called Power Bottom, which is stylized with no vowels. <laughs> is an indie queer punk rock band that he absolutely loved one day before the release of their second album pageant in spring 2017 allegations of sexual misconduct that's putting it lightly came out i was really upset and shit hit the fan fast their label dropped them and the album was about to be scrubbed in fact it's not even on spotify i ended up buying a cd and vinyl of the album because i was convinced it would become lost media i played it non-stop in my car for months and still do sometimes it's an amazing album and by far my most problematic fave it's Got amazing music about queer angst and has been inspirational creatively, creatively for me. It's a shame I can't enjoy it without the bad being at the back of my mind. Now, I looked this up and it was actually two days before the album came out. So Jesus. I think we can disregard uh, most of what he said. <laughs> Because um, he said one day, and it's like if you're not going to fact check Dan, I can't trust you. <laughs> um, but um, but yeah, like, like obviously you know I hadn't heard of this band, looked them up, and they, the band disbanded not long after. Um, I didn't look too much into the allegations, but it is sexual assault. Um, yeah, that it's like yeah, you, you, this 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 band is probably just these two people, and you know not not much else. Um, and so. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I don't know where I'm going. Also, the, the, in, in the Discord um, as well, um, people said you know a lot of these old rock stars as well. Like, mm. it definitely, there's yeah, there's so many stories about like Led Zeppelin, Motley Crue. Motley Crue wrote a whole book about it and then made a movie about that book. But yeah, and it's, people started to mention David Bowie, and you posted. Whenever people mention David Bowie, I'm like, in that gif of the you know monkey thing, like mm. shifting its eyes, and I was like, does this mean you like or don't like David Bowie?
1: Um, I'm I like I like David Bowie's music, fine, but uh, you know, dig a little, and you can find some pretty damning uh, allegations against David Bowie. He feels untouchable. It feels like if you try to go for David Bowie, you no one's going to listen to you. Um, and like, I don't know if it's necessarily a platform I need to run on to try and, de- you know, to try and get elected. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, and it, uh, you know, like, I remember the first time I heard about this was someone was like, um, David Bowie died in 2016, so that he couldn't get cancelled. And I was like, oh, that's a pretty funny joke. If a little dark, and someone was like, actually though like if you look into it it's it's not hard to find some stuff so like
0: Hugh Hefner died like a couple of weeks before the meeting. movie <laughs>
1: <ended. laughs> yeah um and yeah it's shit, shit like that and it's like it's it's not like I think I'm better than all of this I i sure I like a bunch of um you know celebrities who if I did a modicum of research I would find aren't you know have substantial allegations against them um and i think i think with music i think what's interesting with music is you you pointed out that it's like it is less of a um it's it's less clear-cut with movies because it's often like it's put behind the face of one person Mm. um uh but also i think another element of that is that music is maybe more um acutely emotionally Mm. resonance with people than than a movie could be you know like um uh people might like fucking army hammer uh, army hammer there you go people people might like um like the social network but it's like the 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 the, this has changed my life level of art won't hit everyone it maybe hits some people but won't hit everyone Mm. whereas like um a lot of music is more directly taps into to one's heart, and so I think people are more desperate to defend it and more emotionally invested. Well, and
0: also it's like that that thing of, um, you know, if you love the social network and then Army Hammer um, turns out to be one hundred percent accountable, it's like, yeah, he's a smaller part of that as well. Whereas like music, it's like uh, lost profits. Like it, it's 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 a direct like um, the there's more of that direct like i'm the creator and i'm speaking directly to you yeah through my art whereas like army hammer is like a tiny part of the social judgment network Mm. it's obviously it feels different if you then watch say call me by your name um yeah call me by your name's
1: a great that's that's american beauty territory mm. where like the because it's like quite a sexual story it feels a lot less a lot less forgivable whereas um him playing the like psychotic uh villain and sorry to bother you kind of enhances the movie Mm. (laughs) with him being an an actual cannibal army hammer um i
0: like i like that there's one cancellation that we can joke about
1: yeah that he's a cannibal um the the uh uh lost prophets is a a really interesting one if you want to feel sick to your stomach stomach look up what the um what the lead singer of lost profits went to prison for um and that is something where it's like uh you you just can't you can't buy lost profits cd's anymore like mm. <laughs> that yeah, the, 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 the,
0: but the, the, then there's one big as well because it's a band mm. and you you know like like liter- like literally i just said if you want to feel sick to your stomach It's not an exaggeration of the slightest. Like this is straight up like proof that evil exists. It's
1: the worst one. (laughs) That's how I'll describe it. Of all these stories, this is the worst Mm. one. Don't don't look it up. Don't look it up. Don't look 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 it
0: up. Um, But like yeah, he was part of a band who had you know no idea what was going on, Mm. and they they started a new band called uh, No Devotion, and it's like it was one of those things where I'm like yeah, like you know if if you truly knew nothing, um, Mm. good for you. Like I, I hope that the new band it, it, they've they've broken up now. But I mean, they would fucking destroy you. You know, cheering mm. a tour bus with this guy, like yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, like the the yeah yeah. I mean, Lost province is the worst one. It, it, it is. It's it's hard to reconcile any of that.
1: Mm um one of one of the maybe one of the last ones we could talk about before maybe delving into the discord comments a bit more um and i'm curious to hear your perspective on this because uh, i did not watch this show but you just finished the the uh tumultuous season finale of it uh series finale of it is brooklyn Nine Nine, which um you know very popular police-based sitcom um and then the black lives matter movement happened and everyone was like Um, sort of decrying copaganda shows uh, and Brooklyn Nine-Nine being a comedy I think especially affected its ability to um, continue on in that respect
0: and I mean at one point I even suggested a spin-off podcast um, to you Mm. um, where We would go through every episode of Brooklyn Nine-Nine through, you know, the eyes of kind of how how more people look at the world now. Mm. And it would be called Brooklyn 2020, not because of, um, not necessarily only because of, you know, the changes that happened in 2020, but also hindsight being 2020
1: it's, it's one of the greatest ideas you've ever come up with I think, <laughs> and i'm sorry i don't have the devotion to a to a brooklyn 99
0: podcast <laughs> but yeah i like because brooklyn 99 is interesting because it's one of those things that again because it's a comedy you had like um uh rosa one of the main characters is like you look at her early seasons and she finds police brutality funny you know like that mm. that's one of her her quirks Um right. is okay, that okay jesus christ what like like but, but it's like in you know someone's harassing people on the street like like i I can't can't actually think of an example but it's like you know she's a fairly violent person and it's played Mm -hmm. for laughs and there's there's times when you know jake um i think the thing that that brooklyn 99 has always managed to like skirt the rules up until 2020 when you know when, when it all came crashing down is that um it was like the, the, the end justified the means kind of thing that mm. it was Jake would always have a hunch, use not necessarily the best ways to do it, um, but he would end up being proven right. And that was kind of like how they got away with it. There's like one where he holds someone in interrogation without probable cause, but it's like, yeah, the guy did it, you know, of course. Mm. And uh, yeah, the, the the this final season has, was really interesting. I think like it did a lot to try and, Deal with it, and you know, I. It's well, it's, not...
1: it's hard when when attitudes change towards police globally, like overnight. Yeah, basically, and I like I didn't really watch Brooklyn Nine Nine, um, and I personally, after the Black Lives Matter protests, my position on it was like, I just don't think they should make the next season, and it's not that I. It's it, like all the people involved. Like I love Michael Scher, the is he creator of yeah, it. Yeah. yeah, I love Michael Scher and I love um, Andy Sandberg and <laughs> like all the people involved in it. I think are, are great. And so like, in try, no and try way, try to
0: think of a person of color in the cast to say you like. <laughs> <No,
1: it's laughs> Andre Brower, I know that. <laughs> um, I just don't want to go through the whole cast. Um, but the the I think it's it's something where it's like I, I'm standing with them as artists and being like i don't think you can keep doing this like because i don't begrudge the show for existing i think it probably went into um production with probably a pretty superficial view of what police life was like i'm sure it's not a very realistic show when it comes to mm. what police work is like um and it it really does feel like they were conceiving a sitcom and threw a dart at a dartboard and it landed on police Workplace, comedy police, yeah, yeah 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 and that's the problem is that and now now it's representing that and i think especially again especially with it being a comedy it's a lot more accessible to people and i with respect to you and all our all our listeners um who who watched it i just don't get how i okay i'll, I'll rephrase that as someone who is anti-cop uh i don't i couldn't justify watching that show anymore you know not not anymore
0: yeah like it. <laughs> yeah it is interesting because it's one of those things again that it's like terry cruz and andre brower who, you know two black men who are like um primary cast members it's like they were like actively involved in where the season went and and things like that and it's like they, they probably know the situation better than i do mm-hmm. you know and so it's like you know i can kind of it's easier to be on board when it's like you actually do have more informed voices than mine in the mm-hmm. writer's room um, yeah, yeah. and and taking a role in development but i think that the, the, this final season did something really interesting so the first episode of the final season because they famously scrapped four episodes they'd written four scripts and just said no nah, we're starting again because we can't not address what happened last year the first episode comes out and it's essentially it's called the good ones um because the whole the you know the whole thing of like um, and I think that's one of the things that that kind of blew up last year is the idea that, um, you know, there are a few bad apples, you know, mm-hmm. and, and whatnot. And they're like, oh, you're one of the good ones. But the idea of, and the whole idea behind ACAB or Cops and Bastards is that, like, there are no good ones because the system is is mm-hmm. broken. And... You go and read fucking Reddit comments for the first episode, and everyone goes, Oh, this fucking woke bullshit. They forgot to write. They, they, they forgot that the show is a comedy. And it's like, the, the first episode is still funny. It's still a comedy show. But it's like, it did directly addressed they they skipped over the pandemic which was good that they, they just did one thing about like this is how you high five in the covid era and then it skipped ahead a year um which is like <laughs> you yeah, think god but um yeah it's like rosa quit the force um and they ex- you know they they make a joke about why rosa quit the force and and captain holt says no it's because of um the the guilt she felt when george floyd was murdered at the hand hands of police officers and um you know and, and essentially like couldn't couldn't stand being a cop after that and i was like damn like they actually like mentioned george floyd by name and they were really like addressing it head on and i think that was like a really important thing to do rather than just being like oh cops have gotten a bad rap lately um deservedly so but like you know to i that that i think was was really good but the, the, now the, the, the,
1: jake's got to investigate a birthday cake thief <laughs> <laughs> um
0: but they yeah like and they did this whole thing essentially that they introduced um like almost kind of a straw man um for like the bad cop played by um john c mcginley dr cox from scrubs and he like he was kind of like the embodiment of like a crooked cop and mm-hmm. and the reason why cops get away with what they do and it was one of these things that it's like yeah you're just telling you're telling a, a it's a, it's a sitcom you've got to kind of create a character that embodies an idea yeah, um yeah. and but then even in, in that episode um Because the whole thing was yeah there was the victim of police brutality but oh the the cameras were conveniently turned off like they always are and Jake takes on the case with Rosa because they went to Rosa's now PI um and Jake takes it on to be like no look cops can still do good and so he's trying to do the right thing they go to like the police commissioner or whoever it was um or like, I think the captain of the precinct that the cops were with and she's like oh you know sorry I can't do anything because we don't have the body cam footage they find it and she goes like she's because she's like you know i I genuinely want to help you they find the body cam footage and she goes oh well we're definitely getting rid of this um and deletes the footage and, and essentially explains why she's not going to convict her two cops because obviously she's not um and that's kind of jake's big realization that like Oh fuck! Even the ones that seem good are bad, and that kind of looms over the entire season. With and in spoilers for the finale of Brooklyn Nine Nine, skip it, ahead
1: ten seconds. It
0: ends with Jake leaving um the the ninety nineth precinct, mm-hmm. and I I think the show did its finale as well as it could. Also, the other kind of important thing, and that's in this final season, is that they introduce this police reform program and it's accepted and that's kind of like the show ends with that you don't you don't see what how it affected anything kind of thing but you hear what the police reform program is and this whole thing of like defund the police it kind of goes into showing like it's a good idea and this is why and this is kind of how it would look
1: it is i guess i guess from a creative standpoint i'm like it reminds me of when um john Ritter died and eight simple rules kept going and had mm. to explain how why their main character was or glee did glee another show we could probably spend a whole episode yeah. talking about it's problematic um stars um and the yeah like it's it's a thing where it's like it's crazy that the show that started brooklyn 99 the show that started and was this thing about just a, a um cop version of of scrubs the offer, yeah 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 is uh now has to deal with this like pressing issue that the world itself has not been able to reach an answer, and it, and it feels like something you could do you you end up being very clumsy with i guess mm. um but you do you feel satisfied with with where it went? do you think it was justified do you- well, I,
0: again it's one of those like i'm not the one to make the call i think it did a good job of still Staying true to itself, I think that's that's a big thing. A lot of people think that that first episode of season eight betrayed the series by going too woke, and it's like no, the stuff has always been there. Mm. Um, like there's a there's a famous episode about um, uh, with Terry Cruz's character being stopped and frisked by another cop for being a black man. Mm. There's a great exchange, probably one of the hot, the best moments of the series, is when Holt essentially says, "I don't think that you should complain about the other cop." um Holt also being you know black and it's one of those things where Holt has you know being a gay black cop through the 70s um has gone through all this and then Terry Crews kind of you know brings him around to like the why you know like like you you struggled and so that future people don't have to and we should like all all the progress that's been made we should keep you know going on that um and yeah, that's it's it's a good episode, but all and it kind of addresses that sort of stuff. So it's like the, the whole thing of people people being like, "Oh, Brooklyn Nine has never shied away from mm. necessarily bad topics with the police, but and but I think that's a lot more broad strokes and and blunt kind of stuff. Whereas you look at those first few seasons, and there's a lot of stuff like I mentioned, like Rose's police brutality, and you know the things like Jake being kind of a shitty cop sometimes. Um, mm. It's like yeah, it's, it's harder to ignore those kind of things
1: right sweet well do we have any more nice comments from the discord anymore one do you want to point and draw our attention um, well, to
0: well one thing that that people spoke about as well is that like um is it okay to like art uh, if they made it before you know the the allegations mm, that's like like does, does that does that change things i i, I think uh, i'm not i haven't fact checked it but is like rosemary's baby the yeah. roman Polanski film yeah. that was before everything right
1: why well, most of his films were before yeah. yeah
0: but so it's like can you still be like because a few people said like yeah rosemary's babies such a good movie like
1: Ch- china have you seen chinatown yeah Rom- oh my god I like like yeah, like commonly
0: regarded as the greatest <laughs> script of all time yeah yeah. um and it's like yeah <laughs> and yeah like is it does that make a difference do you think
1: mm. I think um, probably not, if I'm being like, true, truly, truly like, what do I think? I think probably not. I think um, it's, yeah, it's so difficult. And I think when it comes to separating the art from the artist, it is just a personal threshold each time.
0: And I think it's like, yeah, sure, if that's your personal threshold, like, mm. yeah, I I think that's, as far as personal thresholds go, that's a fine one.
1: <laughs> and w- And what we can look at, like the good coming out of sort of these, this post- post Me Too, post Black Lives Matter protest kind of kind of era that we're in is like I'm loving all the, you know, people of color directing films, women directing films, gay people directing films, and like they're becoming more and Sometimes more mainstream. Yeah. <laughs> and yep. um, they're becoming more and more mainstream. And we are actually seeing like genuinely interesting films come out because of because mm. of that. Some of my favorite movies from the past five years have been directed by people who look completely different from me and and you know and i feel like i'm i feel like they're such important perspectives for me to yeah. learn um and so maybe it's maybe it's a balance maybe it's like you can keep the stuff you love but you got to be able to criticize it you got to be able to understand what's wrong and you've also got to mm-hmm. be able to bring in what you know the new stuff coming in so that you continually uh clearing out the chlorine filter and the swimming pool of your own Mm. psyche and i
0: i think as well that like yeah like the whole the whole conversation around cancel culture is interesting because i think it's like as well like the whole thing of like what counts as being bad like i think another big thing is like um but I, i'd like it's kind of what you said about that is it a legal thing but like ha- have they learnt from it is like the biggest one i think mm. almost
1: if, if it's something they've said i'm willing to forgive them if they you know say they've learnt from it yeah. if it's something they've done i'm probably don't want to yeah. you know watch them on a tv show i would anymore.
0: recommend to to anyone interested that there's a book and and a a uh, corresponding ted talk by a guy called john ronson uh, the book is called so you've been publicly shamed and it's kind of about cancel culture but like before cancel culture was a thing mm-hmm. and one of the big things that he talks about in it is he, this woman called justine sacco who in I must like 2012 um tweeted um before just before she got on a plane saying like i'm off to africa hope i don't get aids just kidding i'm white that was the entire tweet and then um in while she was in the air there was like you know 12 hours or something like that. It was quite a long flight and um it blew up and people were like ha- the has- plane <laughs> yeah people um there was the hashtag has justine landed yet like you know it was going viral people went to the airport and uh, wherever it was to like um to wait for her and get photos of her kind of thing and it became this thing it was like this woman's life is over and she has mm. no idea because they don't have Wi-Fi on the plane. And yeah, you think, I think about it quite a bit because she she tweeted that to um, less than 60 followers and it somehow blew up. Mm. Um, and it's like, I, you, you know, like, and it's one of those things that her joke is.
1: There's uh, been a lot of discussion yeah, about context. The, f- the context of her joke. And like, this isn't me justifying it. This is me re- repeating the information mm. I know about it that like, her friend group and her community was one where that was like i think she had a lot of black friends which is (laughs) like like it is a situation like that where it it like sounds like maybe it was a um like to my to my 60 followers they'll know that i'm being ironic they'll I'm
0: i'm playing the character of a privileged white idiot Mm. and and like to me it's like that that tweet so obviously comes across as sarcastic um it's you know it's 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 probably a bit more of an edgy joke than you should do. Mm. But yeah, I mean like this, this woman, you know, trying to get a job for the rest of her life is forever going to have that um, tweet next to her name on Google. Yeah. And yeah, yeah, it is. Uh, I, I don't know. It's just, it's just an interesting thing. And like, I mean, read the book. He, he, he articulates a lot better than I do, but there's a lot of things and like, and Monica Lewinsky is like another fucking classic example of someone who was done wrong by cancel culture that, mm. Yeah, she was preyed on by the most powerful person in the country. And everyone's yeah. like, oh, look at this little slut. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, I mean, there's the American crime story coming out about it, which I hope mm. will, you know, help her receive some justice.
1: She's an executive producer on it, I believe. Mm.
0: So. And Monica Lewinsky's fucking hilarious. She's cool. Yeah, she's, yeah, cool she's as great on how. Twitter. Yeah.
1: Um, so, in conclusion, Richard, cancel culture, uh, you have a problem with it? Is that is Yeah, yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah. Well, <laughs> so cause, uh, it's it's the, a
1: scourge. Can't um, say anything these days. What, we should call this episode Can't Say Anything These yeah. Days. John
0: Cleese has that show coming out where it's like, oh, John Cleese is hosting a show where he talks to people who have been cancelled. And it's one of these things that's like, that's actually genuinely a really interesting idea. But if John Cleese wasn't doing it. Yeah, <laughs> like, like like actually, like to do a sit-down interview with the likes of Kevin Spacey, louis ck and do these actual genuine tell all interviews because it would be actually like not in not to sympathize with them in any way but just to actually have like how did you find out you'd been cancelled like shit like that would actually just be really interesting to know aj's trying to line up his his eyes to get a cool shot for the zoom call um just for me i presume um but yeah like like i don't know just just like it would actually just be interesting to see the other side of it not to like sympathize them with her, anything. Don't get me yeah. wrong, but like, it's. Plus, I think it's just a fascinating untold story, you know. But John Cleese is gonna uh, is gonna come at it with the, oh, you can't bloody say anything these days, <laughs> yeah. and it's like, yeah, like to, to have, someone like because also um, I start watching the morning show on Apple TV, which is about someone being Me Tooed, and it's interesting because it's like it, it's Steve Carell's character gets you know gets Me Tooed, and you can't like. It's obviously you cast Steve Carell in the role, so he needs to be a big part of it. But it's like, how much can you show of his side before you start to have to make him sympathetic to keep showing him? Mm. And it's like, it's interesting because it it feels like one of the first kind of big pieces of media and bombshell as well that was like showing, it was like about the Me Too movement essentially. Um, And it's like, yeah, what's the point of the show? I haven't finished the first season, but like
1: i'll i'll take a talk show where canceled celebrities are interviewed if they don't get paid for their appearances i think that's yeah. the only way if they'll be like you can come on here and say your piece but we're not going to pay you
0: well it's not even about like saying your piece like i don't care what i like i'm interested from a factual point of view and also it'd be interesting to see like how how many of them would apologize and in what hmm. way and stuff like that
1: i've heard quite enough from chris o'delia about what what he thinks um
0: yeah because he keeps popping up on my tiktok and it's because he always posts like fucking weird videos and all the comments are just like what are you doing you're cancelled
1: well hey i think maybe we can wrap up the episode there um thank you to everyone who um commented on our discord um let us know like like i think we've done an all right job of not reaching a definitive. answer to this because it's not really a it's a very open-ended question the likes of which yeah you and i aren't the people who should be answering it um but i did think it was it was interesting to talk about like how we and how we uh consume art that maybe has been tarnished and how we how we bloody live with ourselves rich and what (laughs) we learned is it's one pant leg at a time Mm. that's that's our um so yeah if you enjoyed this episode um please be sure to like us on all the uh social medias we're on twitter instagram uh youtube um discord uh, you know that's where we got a bunch of our comments from today you can find a link to the discord in the show notes we've also got a patreon patreon.com slash and if you keep listening richard to this episode after this music ends then you're going to hear a bloody post credit scene as well so stay tuned for that
0: stay tuned Um, (laughs) uh, hello and welcome to the post credit scene Um, normally we stop recording these after an hour and we're just Mm -hmm. we're we're, we're still on the same record file as the last one, Mm -hmm. it's at an hour and seven minutes um Mm -hmm because you know we have trouble sometimes but you know what it wouldn't be the worst thing if we lost this episode (laughs) um but uh yeah this is the post credit scene for five dollars on patreon you can send us in a question for us to answer on one of these uh so joe rundle said what is a single film that you wish was turned into a franchise
1: um (laughs) i love you daddy
0: (laughs) (laughs) american beauty um
1: (laughs) Uh, my answer to this is "Who Framed Roger Rabbit." I think um, mm, that's a great answer. Less so because I want to see more of Roger Rabbit, and more so because I think live-action animation hybrids is this format that fascinates me that has just not been mm. utilized at all since since it was invented in who framed roger rabbit presumably because it's fucking Did you say hard. invented
0: in who framed roger rabbit uh
1: mastered in who framed roger right,
0: Rabbit. yeah because i mean like uh mary poppins is obviously cool
1: cool world i think predates um who framed roger rabbit as well um because but like since who framed roger rabbit we've had what space jam looney tunes back in action Maybe half of Space Jam two, if that, um and like various SpongeBob movies, and that's all we've seen and it's like i know I want mm. to live in the world of roger rabbit i want to I want to explore the world of like these noir film noir worlds where um where cartoons are you know employees and have unions and are mm. actors, and it's you know about the interactions mm. couldn't make
0: them. that these days though um <laughs> Uh, my answer, I am I hope you're ready for this. I'm going to say a very funny answer, okay? All right. Is, are you ready to laugh? Yeah. Um, the Matrix. <laughs> <It's not laughs> too bad they never made any sequels. And while we're at it, oh, if only they made a fourth Indiana Jones film.
1: <laughs> and I'm so excited for The Last Airbender to get that live action series because they've never tried...
0: <laughs> very droll Um, (laughs) yeah uh, yeah I don't know District 10 is like one of the ones that's like it is coming but um, that's one that like because it kind of promises a conclusion of the story although I kind of like the ambiguous ending of it but uh, yeah I do do fucking hate the joke where people pretend that sequels don't it's such it's the laziest joke Um, (laughs) it's right
1: up there with too fast too furious it is it's
0: it's the exact same energy same energy (laughs)